now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news with Willem van Dender and shortly, and of course, our former ITN journal turned pundit Derek Dyson will be joining us throughout the show. Now, as any of our regular listeners will know, each week we cast the net as widely as possible to bring a pick of the local and international stories. And this week is no different. In fact, you probably couldn't get a wider gulf between the clubs we're going to focus on. So first up, it's the story of a merged club run by passionate locals who are making a mighty cup run in the inaugural year of the Australia Cup. Peninsula Power were born in 2000 when two established clubs, Margate FC and Redcliffe FC, of Queensland amalgamated and what a force they are 20 years later winning three of the last four Queensland NPL premierships this Sunday they take on one of the story clubs of the New South Wales NPL Sydney United 58 for a spot in the semi-finals of the Australia Cup and the man we'll talk to this week from the power is the epitome of the heart and soul of a local club founding president Craig Ferrigal, a full-time firefighter. He does everything at the club, including mowing the turf, and we know he's on the edge of his seat as his club prepares to host what might well be a memorable afternoon this Sunday. After that, Willem will take a deep dive into the national sides with the Matildas a little over a week out from what will be a line-in-the-sand doubleheader for Tony Gustafsson against Canada, and the Socceroos a month out from their home-and-away matches against New Zealand ahead of the World Cup announced the return of the football icon to stay farewell the great goose hitting who we'll talk about several times throughout the show. Then we return to the club that is dear to the hearts of my good friends Edge and Derek. Who would have thought that when the Arsenal last won the Premier League title in 2003-04 with 90 points over 38 games, they wouldn't lose a single match. They deserved the title of the Invincibles. Nearly two decades later, they're waiting for their next title. Well, all that pain may be about to end as the Gunners sit imperiously at the top of the ladder after three straight wins to start the season. So we'll indulge the boys this week with a man on the Highbury beat from the Athletic Art de Roche to see if he thinks the Mikel Arteta era is about to deliver the much-awaited renaissance of this great club who once sat at the top of the world. And we will wrap it up with stoppage time, but Derek has proposed a slightly different format which we're going to roll out this week just to freshen things up a little bit, Michael. So we've got a blockbuster show this week. Yes, you get the Arsenal conversation, finally. Um, I'll try not to sabotage it. My first question, though, is to you, Rob. Are you okay? Are you okay, mate? Mate, I two, am okay. Two points from three yes. games. Uh, Liverpool looking down the barrel. Um, just wanted to reach out to you as a good friend and co-host. I thought that was um, sincere of you for a moment there. I thought, you know, um, you are a, a notorious piss taker. And um, and I thought, yeah, this is nice of Edge. I know are you okay days around this time of year. So maybe he's just, you know, getting into the, the mental no, health aspect. I genuinely but, worried about your frame yeah. of mind after... Having um, losing to Manchester United. Uh, well, I'll, last, I'll last be season. worried about your frame of mind when uh, Arsenal eventually start the speed wobbles uh, from the heady heights, and uh, well, and Liverpool just resume normal programming, mate. That's I'll ask you how you're going, mate. You know, the Gunner fans have coped with a lot over recent times. I think we'll take a speed wobble in our in our. Um, um, we'll just take that in our stride these days. But um, I must say that this week for me, though, despite the fact that Arsenal has won three matches in a row, and we'll talk to Art from The Athletic about that in a, a lot of detail in segment uh, four of the program. But Willem, this week was all about Hus Hiddink and his return to Australia. If you love the Socceroos and you love Aussie Hus and what 2006 was about, we got a bit of a surprise this week, Willem. We did indeed. Michael is going to come out of retirement to partner Graham Arnold in charge of the Socceroos in their World Cup send-off against New Zealand. He's 75 now, Goose. He hasn't worked since last year, and he was personally invited by Arnie to return to the fold. As we know, primary assistant Renee Muhlenstein is going to spend the window in Europe preparing for the uh, preparing for the World Cup. He's going to be watching France and Denmark on a bit of a scouting mission. Uh, let's take a listen now to a bit of what Goose had to say in his little one-on-one with Arnie, uh, particularly around the esteem with which he holds the Australia job and looking back at his what is an esteemed career, uh, yeah, how he holds uh, the Australia job when you consider some of the bigger clubs and, and nations that he did manage. One thing I always mention, not you know me, not because we are talking now, uh, but one thing I mention is always that because people think, yeah, there was Korea or Real Madrid or Chelsea or Dutch national team or Russia, third in Europe, whatever. And then I, I, you forget one thing, 
And that's my experience in uh, and with Australian team. That's one of my highlights, generally spoken. But when you go specifically, I think the trip in which a federation organized uh, to and fro to, uh, to Uruguay, to Montevideo, through Buenos Aires, yeah. was a highlight in organization, which made the team very competitive. If the team has the feeling, hey, everything is done for us to perform, then we can demand a lot of the team. It seems a little bit over the top, but that's not true. Then you give the players the idea, hey, everything is done. Now, now we cannot escape. We have to perform. Yeah. That's that's a, a general highlight. Great for all involved, Michael. It's going to be the centenary celebration. It's going to be yeah a big show, hopefully up there in uh, Brisbane this time next month. Uh, one of the uh, one of the great legends of our game, and a good chance to say thank you. He's an infectious character. Even just listening to his conversation with Graham, and uh, in particular the way Graham Arnold was uh, deferring a lot of respect to Huss Hiddink, and um, obviously Australia. Uh, occupied a very special time in his career. He, he, he told some great stories. I love the one about Mark Viduka when Mark Viduka just sort of said to him, why do you want to coach Australia? Uh, and, uh, we, you know, we're going to go to South America and uh, we're going to probably lose. And uh, he said, well, you know, if you lose five kilos, Mark, we might win. So um, <laughs> I, I do enjoy um, um, hitting uh, his, uh, his attitude and his uh, perspective on the on the sport. And I think it's a great uh, initiative by the Federation. Yes, it's a bit of fun and games and a bit of a hoopla involved in it, no doubt about that. But I, I think the players will get a bit out of it too. And as we approach the World Cup and uh, obviously a interesting time for the players as they all jockey for positions on the squad. Uh, I a, think this is a great initiative by uh, the Federation and Graham Arnold and, and done in a really good way. And, and as a fan of the game, I, I just love the conversation and the, and the um, rapport between those two guys who obviously know each other very well. A great memory. He's a special man. And yeah, good to have him back on board, uh, at least for the next little while. A uh, dispute has arisen between Brisbane Raw and the PFA over the Raw's attempt to terminate the contract of Corey Brown, citing serious misconduct. The Raw published a short statement on August 18, advising Brown's termination, which the PFA labelled misleading and bizarre. PFA co-chief Bo Bush stated Brown had initiated proceedings in dispute of the ruling. The Raw, in return, called that response intemperate and incorrect. The Sydney Morning Herald later reported the issue centres around alleged drug use. Uh, Rob, there's ways to go about these things, but public slanging probably uh, isn't one of them from either party here. No, it doesn't feel like that. And regardless of whether there's truth or otherwise to the allegations, uh, um, it's, it's a really sensitive issue. I know we, we had a bit of fun with uh, the Are You OK thing uh, off the top, but I'm, I'm going to talk uh, uh, during the course of, of our chat uh, next with um, with Craig Furigal, the, the founding president of um, the Peninsula Power, about the mental health and, and, and the importance of it. So, you know, regardless of whether he did or he didn't, um, I'm, I'm concerned as an observer uh, that um, that the big hitters uh, of the club and, and the PFA um, ought to be handling this um, a little bit more delicately. Michael, let's take Corey and his situation out of this for a moment because I don't think it's fair to lump all of these issues in together. But the Raw are also facing a separate investigation uh, into an alleged JobKeeper rot and they're facing issues uh, with the Queensland uh, NPL and the competitions they play in there around unpaid debts. Uh, the ongoing management of this club by the Indonesian owners, the uh, the Bakaris, this is an issue that doesn't seem to be coming ahead. There's been issues with it uh, and their, their ownership of the club for years and years. Uh, how do you see it? Well, there's also, if you talk to the player agents, they are pretty uh, ordinary when it comes to contracting players and the way they deal with it. And um, the Corey Brand episode is the latest uh, one of those. Um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've heard some pretty ordinary behaviour by the club. So, uh, look, you know, everybody in the sport, I think, is really worried about Brisbane Raw. Um, they're worried about uh, the competency of the management. They're worried about uh, the security of contracts with players. They're worried about the club being viable and paying its bills and um, and the Indonesian owners and, um, and the people at the club at the moment. You know, they're just, you know, I think Brisbane's football community and Queensland football's community largely... Uh, deserve better, you know. Um, uh, I think they're a long way away from where they were when Ange Postacoglu was winning titles and we had 40,000 people in the stands at Suncorp. You know, I think uh, the club has um, has been in decline and, um, and I think it's okay to call it out. And it is what it is. And this is probably the latest of um, sort of 
issues a long line of issues and knowing the club and the way they manage there's probably more to come let's head over to england manchester united have climbed off the foot of the premier league table with a two-on win over liverpool their first competitive win under eric ten Hag. the match was preceded by fan protests outside old trafford with members of the 1958 supporter group calling for the glazier family to end their 17-year ownership it's estimated the glaziers have saddled the club with one million pounds of debt since their 2005 purchase robert did seem a little bit funny and a bit incongruous to have the fans out the front uh, complaining about not spending and then also parading £60 million signing Casemiro uh, before kickoff. Now, I know it's very different sort of uh, areas of spending there, uh, but they did go out and dominate Man United. And I think that front four uh, looked much sharper without Ronaldo. They played, I'm sorry to say it, sort of like Liverpool in the way that they left plenty of the front half of the pitch to be utilised and then sort of ping the ball around uh, between the four of them there. Sancho's goal, magnificent after all the pressure that he's been under and that the club were under to sort of have that composure in the box. Uh, so a good week for Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, look, it sure was. And um, and look, I know we had a bit of fun off the top um, about that result. Um, obviously, I got up uh, pretty early to watch it and uh, and, and looked at some of the, the, the footage of the, um, the the protests uh, before the game, but um, look, you, you, another player who was uh, who was uh, uh, absent was of course Harry Maguire, and um, and he's got a long way to come back to, uh, to to get a start in that side. And and I know I said last week on the show when we were talking about this uh, this fixture coming up that uh, that uh, you know it's the it's the wounded lion um, that uh, that you're most uh, afraid of because uh, you know they uh, are a, a, a team of highly paid um, players uh, who uh, don't get paid the top dollar because they're, they're no good. Um, yes, the, the fans were protesting about the leverage buyout story of all those years ago and the fact that the owners are still taking profits or a what's the word I'm looking for? They, they, they're taking money out of the club. Dividend. Dividend, that's the yep. word. And uh, out of a club that's, that's that's making a loss when when they took over, there was no debt at the club at all. So, um, you know, I can see the the, 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 the different uh, storylines that they all, you know, conflate with each other. But, Edge, what's what's your observation on all of this? My observation was he dropped Ronaldo. That was my observation. And they got a win. Yeah, no, I don't think he starts this Saturday night against, uh, against Southampton. As I said, the front four looked dynamic and sharp. Up after what happened last time, uh, how they well they played. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, maybe they do um, exit Ronaldo stage left um, and that might help them. Who knows? But I just thought that was a huge decision in the context of everything that's happening and uh, they got the chocolates. I'm looking forward to our next chat with the Peninsula Power President, Craig Fureagle. He is the consummate volunteer. He's just the, the sort of gold standard kind of guy. Volunteer, founded the club with uh, with others when, when the two clubs merged way back uh, in 2000 and uh, now uh, in the uh, the box seat favourites against uh, Sydney United 58 to advance to the semi-finals of the Australia Cup. That's all next on Box to Box. Hey... It's Kevin Swearhouse back again on Box to Box. Time to stay big on vitamins. Michael and Willem, I know we always talk about vitamins on this show. You've got your vanity in the bathroom packed. Michael, you're back home again. I've, I've got to go to Chemist Warehouse tomorrow and just load up, Robbie. Oh, excellent. What are you going to get, Willem, when you're down there? Uh, I've been there this week. Tonsillitis I've had. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Every, listeners can enjoy that. But no, it's been good to get hydrated. A bit of Barocca. Uh, the Voosh they had in there as well. The Barocca alternative. So uh, uh, whatever you like, really, down at Chemist Warehouse. And of course, the penicillin as well. Yeah, well done. Wagner Super Biomagnesium. That'll help you rest. It'll help you with your muscles. You've been training for footy. You've got the big finals on this weekend. 100 tablets for nine ninety nine. Say 35% off the everyday low price. Say 45% off the recommended retail price of Blackmore's BioC 1000. If you've got that cold, Willem, get into this BioC. 150 tablets, twenty four ninety nine, And say 30% off the recommended retail price of Nature's Own Super B Complex 75 tablets, now seventeen ninety nine. Michael, you're back home. You need your energy back. Get some of that Super B Complex India. Uh, there's also micro, Microgenics Sound A60 capsules. Stock up on those before you head back overseas for $9.99. That's better than half price. We're there. Great savings are every day. Boys, where is it? Chemist Warehouse. Ka-ching. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box, and as we said off the top of the show, this weekend, the story of a merged club 
run by passionate locals, making a mighty cup run in the inaugural year of the newly named Australia Cup. Peninsula Power were born in 2000 when Margate FC and Redcliffe FC amalgamated and the man who's been the president of that club ever since they began is Craig Furigal and he's on the line with us now. How are you, Craig? Good, how are you? Yeah, really well, Craig. I mean, we'll get to uh, the cup run you're making in the moment, but uh, uh, you are the consummate volunteer, and um, and and I know you're a humble man, but um, but doing a little bit of research on our chat uh, this week, uh, I, I did uh, discover that you were named a volunteer of the year back in 2020, and there's a lovely little package of you on the uh, the ride on mower uh, with uh, your... <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, your greenskeeper hat on. So you really do everything at the club. Yeah, I um, I do. Um, and probably one of the biggest things, uh, the playing field that uh, I look after. I I treat it uh, like my baby, I suppose. And and uh, yeah, I mean that was that was the basis around uh, the volunteer uh, award as well. But you know, I mean, I, I wear many hats, but uh, but. That's my passion, and yeah, sure is, mate. And it's a family club too. If your kids have played, and uh, uh, and a lot of people around the club have, have been with the power for twenty odd years. But there's a great legacy of of people from both Margate and Redcliffe. So for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Peninsula Power, we uh, uh, we're interested in in a little of that story of of how the two came clubs came together and and why. Pretty much back uh, in the the Redcliffe Peninsula had uh, two clubs. Uh, back probably in the same division uh, in the 90s uh, when I became president of uh, Margate Football Club. Uh, but the vision was always to, to have one strong club on the peninsula and uh, so I approached the president of Redcliffe back then and uh, we sort of formed a plan to, um, to make one strong club out of the two, uh, which Queensland Soccer Federation back then uh, were well on board with it. Our local council, Redcliffe City Council back then were well on board with it. So we just um, just went through the process, really, of um, trying to formulate the the one club, and then obviously from one club makes you stronger, where we can uh, embrace the whole community uh, as one club instead of trying to uh, have two resources. And you know, I mean, the local derbies were great back in the day, but. Mm. Uh, for the future of football in our city, we need to have one strong club. And it sounds like uh, that was a, a conversation that, that went pretty well back then. Fast forward two decades, you, you've won three out of, of the last four Queensland NPL titles and uh, and you've um, got a, a home match against Sydney United 58, a, you know, a storied club in, in Australian football particularly the New South Wales uh, Premier League, uh, watching the um, the the, the uh, match that uh, that got you into this position, it was an absolute uh, nail biter against Green Gully. You you uh, uh, had a lot to thank your, your keeper for the veteran himself. Uh, I tell you, if uh, if there's a, a an A League club looking for a backup keeper, I reckon the 38 year old Phil Zabex might uh, <laughs> help out a bit. But um, you know, Phil was it was mighty in that um, particular in the first half uh, and um, it was and man of the match yeah he sure was and, and as the, the lights started to fade it all went haywire two goals in one minute literally I mean you could barely have blinked when that happened I, I mean if, if, if there's a lot of our listeners may not have seen the highlights of the package it's it's easily found on the A-League website but uh, or yep. the Australia Cup website I should say uh, it, it was it was incredulous to say the least it was amazing actually I mean because obviously we went a goal down uh, and and we sort of um, Green Gully were a very good side and uh, we thought where, where are we going to get this goal from? Um, and then, and obviously, Josh Woolley uh, hooked that corner in, which was absolutely madness, and the place just erupted. And then, uh, lo and behold, we barely kicked off, and everyone had barely taken their seats again, and it was in the back of the net again by our, our another veteran, uh, Alex Smith. It was incredible, and, and that, that goal you talk about hooked in. It was it was straight in. It was a fitting and worldy. I don't know that any world keeper uh, uh, keeper around the world could have saved that one uh, to uh, to um, equalise and, and and set up what was a, an incredible finish. But you've got a, another home match this weekend against uh, against Sydney United fifty eight. Um, they're obviously the original Sydney Croatia and uh, and have uh, a. a, a Stack of players that uh, that come through the ranks from Tony Popovich, Mark Bosnich, uh, uh, all Socceroos, yep. uh, and 
and your club uh, clearly a, a proud history from the pre-power days. But uh, this is a, a real opportunity to to get one step away from from the silverware, isn't it? It's a massive game for us. It's, and to be honest, it's probably the biggest game in our in our history of our club because um, yeah, yeah, we have won the NPL Queensland and that, but uh, you know the Australia Cup. Uh, is the national stage um, you know we're, we're playing teams from other states and, and obviously the team we're playing this weekend are, a very rich history in the old National Soccer League days uh, big club uh, had some great players come through as you said I've, I've got some good players at the moment that have had A-League's um, experience and then obviously they knocked off an A-League side last week so uh, or the last round so we're certainly uh, we're certainly uh, we know we're in for a big challenge uh, but you know I think They've got to come up and play us at our ground and our passionate supporters. And I know they've got a few passionate supporters as well, so it should, it should be a great occasion. Ahead of the draw for the quarterfinals, were you sort of hoping for an A-League side, uh, maybe even Brisbane Raw, you could maximise exposure, get a big gate, you know, fill up the coffers of the club to help um, <laughs> grow and expand? Or were you thinking, give us an NPL club because we might just uh, give the semi-final a shake. What, what, when you were going to, b- to bed at night, uh, Craig, what were you hoping for? Well, what I was hoping for, um, well, we were, we were obviously hoping for another A-League side, um, you know, because we played that at the stadium uh, in Reckliffe here. And uh, it's always a great occasion. Obviously, the, the one we have against Melbourne City, we had over 4,000 people there. Uh, we had three and a half last year against with Brisbane Raw. Um, and yeah, it's a great, great occasion, and and obviously great for the, the club financially as well. But um, uh, I know that a lot of the boys wanted an away game, um, so they wanted to to travel away somewhere. But um, but yeah, this year we we, we obviously um, drew a, a state league club, um, which which is which was good um, from our point of view that we got it at home. So um, I know the boys were disappointed, but uh, we were happy we we got to play at home. And um, just a, another last one from me. I mean, now that you've got a game at home, you don't have to play it at uh, Redcliffe. Um, tell us about, uh, if you haven't been down there, what can you get at the canteen? Because we just love following the uh, the food in the Australia Cup, whether that's the Savlaki at Oakley or uh, also the Shavapi at uh, Sydney United. What What's the go-to canteen option <laughs> at Peninsula Power? Craig, what can oh, you tell we've... us? Well, we've got a we've got a, a, a fantastic sweet chili chicken and fried rice, um, which our uh, canteen um, who I used to own a former cafe uh, he he produces, uh, and we've been told we've got a pretty good uh, hot chips as well. So that's pretty much uh, it's a, a standard uh, canteen format. But we also we we run we run a barbecue on big days like this and things like that. So yeah. Excellent. Well, Craig, uh, thanks for taking the time to have a chat with us. The, the match is 3 o'clock on, on Sunday afternoon at your home ground, AJ Kelly Reserve, and then Wednesday night the other three matches are all played simultaneously at, at 7.30. Oakley Cannons against Sydney FC, another uh, NPL club trying to uh, to provide a cup set. Then the other two matches are, uh, are A-League uh, mm. clubs themselves, MacArthur versus Wellington and Adelaide United versus Brisbane Raw. So uh, you're gonna if you get through this, be playing one of them, mate. So uh, let's hope we, we have a chat to you again sometime uh, in the next month or two uh, and uh, it just might be on the eve of, of, a, of a big final playoff for the silverware. No, I appreciate that and uh, happy to have a chat. Yeah, thank you. Not at all. Craig Furigal, founding president of the Peninsula Power up there on Rec- Cliff, uh, uh, a wonderful story of Australian grassroots football uh, doing well. They've uh, three times uh, uh, premiers of the the the, uh, the NPL in Queensland, and uh, they're playing Sydney United fifty eight in the quarterfinals of the Australia Cup this weekend. Okay, stick around after the break. We're going to get to the national sides, the Socceroos and Matildas. There's lots coming up. The Matildas have got Canada in a couple of weeks' time. The Socceroos have got the Kiwis before they head over to the World Cup. That's all next on Box to Box. Everybody's going. To Everybody's going. Going to buy hot spices. Everybody's going to say a dollar or two. I know I don't sound as good as the jingle, but I love the food. I love my mate Johnny Accardo. And in fact, I love the whole family. It's an Australian-owned family company. They employ Australians at their manufacturing factory in suburban Melbourne in Moorabbin. So if you are in your supermarket at Safeway, Safeway, did I say Safeway? Woolworths, Coles, 
good independent supermarkets. Make a beeline to the herbs and spices and buy Hoyts. Willem, you like curry, don't you? I do. Curry for the country. Michaelia Cash style, yes. Exactly. Garam masala. Michael, you know all about it. I know you love making a curry. You can't do curry without garam masala. Get your Hoyts coming. Ground coriander, ground cardamom, black pepper, cinnamon, nutmeg. Make your own garam masala. If you're listening to this on a podcast, rewind it. Write down what I just said. Go out and buy it and make your own curry. It'll fair sound, taste fantastic. And remember, refill your empty spice charge with the Hoist value packs. You'll be happy with Hoist, boys. Coles, Woolworths, all good independent supermarkets. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. Great chatting with Craig Virigal there. It uh, is exciting times for the Peninsula Power, as it is for Sydney United 58. Um, we wish them luck as well because uh, uh, they are a storied club in, in uh, Australian football. So if they happen to get the chocolates, we uh, maybe we'll get a guest on from them ahead of the semi-finals. All right, lots going on with the Batildas and the Socceroos, Willem. Uh, it's all starting to come uh, at a rush now. Next month, we're going to have Matildas, then the Socceroos, and then the World Cup, and then next year, the World Cup for the Women's World Cup is going to be on, so uh, there's nowhere to hide now. It is coming in a rush, Robert. There is still time to book your place at this November's World Cup and cheer on those Socceroos at football's biggest party. You will want to be quick, though. Head to gjatravel.com.au and get involved. And also, don't forget to register your interest for the 2023 Men's Asian Cup and Paris 2024 Olympics. Always so much on the horizon in Australian football. So, as I said, gjatravel.com.au. Before we get into those Socceroos and Matildas, though, Rob, I want to acknowledge the passing of 15-cap Socceroo Peter Stone. Uh, he passed this week a 67. He was born in Brisbane, then moved to Newcastle and rose through the local ranks there with Katara South and Adamstown. He went on to represent Apia Leichhardt, St George, Budapest, a couple of famous clubs of the New South Wales scene. He represented New South Wales as a whole as well and went over for a spell with Tottenham Hotspur, if you don't mind, in 1980. Australia-wise, he made his full international debut under Jim Shoulder against Hong Kong in 1976, retiring in 1983, age 29. So Vale, Peter Stone, and condolences and thoughts to the family there. Michael, big week for Mary Fowler. She's made her Manchester City debut in their ultimately unsuccessful but still worthwhile Champions League qualifiers. 6-0, they beat Kazakh club Tomiris Turan, but then bombed out against Real Madrid. Have you ever heard of a bigger discrepancy between clubs? Although, Rob, you did throw up earlier in the, uh, the show Peninsula Power and Arsenal. But Tomuris Turan and Real Madrid, uh, have you heard of a greater uh, a greater gap between, uh, I won't say quality, I've never seen Tomuris Turan play, but I will say uh, notability. Well done to Mary. Um, not so well done to Manchester City, who uh, fell to Real Madrid. But yeah, that is a pretty amazing uh, Champions League grouping, isn't it? Um, the breadth and width of um, women's football and professional clubs. We know that it's developing, and I'm sure in Kazakhstan, uh, they've got all the way to go for women's football. But um now, well done, well done to Mary, getting her first uh, match with Manchester City. Going to see a lot of her in the Women's Super League um, over the next few years. And um, we all know how important Mary Fowler will be to the prospects of the Matildas at the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup Australia New Zealand just next June and July. So less than a year away, Rob. Very exciting. I mean, uh, we all remember the great uh, uh, sheriff uh, results of last year's uh, Men's Champions League. So uh, maybe we'll see a, a, a redux of that. Another Matilda re- remains in the mix for Champions League football to make a yellop uh, with her Norwegian side at Brand. They progress to the next round of qualifiers, courtesy of a 3-1 win in which Tomeka scored the second. And Joe Montemuro and Juventus are also still alive in qualifying following a 3-1 win over Maccabi Kuyat Gat. To the men's, Martin Boyle is hopefully going to play a huge role in Qatar. He's made it two goals in three following his return to Hibs. That was a two-all draw against Rangers. And Lewis Miller also on for his debut uh, off the bench in that one. To the championship, Dean Bazanis made his debut at the level for Reading in their 1-0 win over Middlesbrough. Riley McGree started but struggled to make an impact before being hooked at half-time. 
To Europe more broadly, Al Mabil made his Cadiz starting debut in their 2-1 loss to Osasuna, and Matt Ryan kept a clean sheet on league debut for Copenhagen. 3-0 uh, they won away to Lingby. Michael, disappointing result in the Asian Champions League this week. We thought Kevin Musket and Yokohama had it all going for them, uh, but they were never really in it against uh, Vissel Kobe. They lost 3-2, but the second goal was a bit of consolation uh, late, late in the match, and they really seemed to get a taste of their own medicine. Vissel Kobe went out there, they played with uh, good Good attacking intent, lots of aggressive passing, uh, weren't afraid to shoot on sight. Uh, and yeah, it certainly looked like maybe Yokohama with a side uh, battling relegation in the league. Did seem that way, didn't it? Um, and it just, yeah, I mean, the Champions League football is full of clubs that do well in their leagues and not so well in the Champions League. And then um, some Champions League, um, you know, results for clubs, they get on a run in the Champions League, but not so well in their, uh, in their home league. So that's just another one of those... Uh, situations that developed um well done to Vissel Kobe they're actually a very very big team Vissel Kobe oh they're massive it's yeah. unusual for them to be down uh, fighting relegation in the in the J League so um you know there's quality in that team and Kevin will be disappointed because we I, we just know um having spent a bit of time in Japan I just know um how prestigious uh, it is for the the Japanese clubs to go deep into the Champions League so they'll be licking their wounds at Yokohama no doubt about it they do have a little bit of time to regroup. Their next match isn't until September 3, and they do still lead in the league. So all resources are funneled into that now for Muskie. With Rob, two games in hand, by the way. With two games in hand. Kawasaki uh, have a couple of games in hand on them, but if you allot them three points to each of those, yeah, Yokohama will still be uh, ahead. Rob, I want to devote the back half of this segment to the Australia Cup because it is turning it on uh, at the moment. We've just heard from Craig Furrigill, and we know that Peninsula Power are going to host Sydney United at AJ Kelly Park on Sunday. Uh, let's roll back to last Wednesday. One of the best nights in cup history. Oakley, 5-3 over Brisbane City after extra time. Oscar Law in that one, obviously. And Adelaide City and Avondale pushed Adelaide United and Brisbane Raw to penalties after two all draws, respectively. It was the A-League sides that prevailed in the end, but the competition uh, delivered in a big, big way, particularly the Adelaide City game uh, that we covered in a bit of depth against United. Two brilliant goals. Uh, twice they were down, twice they clawed back. Uh, and it, uh, once it gets to penalties, it really could have gone either way. Willem, I thought uh, that was probably the greatest night so far in FFA Cup slash Australia Cup um, history. It was just uh, it was just fantastic viewing. I was watching from the uh, another part of the world and really enjoying uh, going between the games. And uh, and I thought Adelaide City's performance was was very good. Um, and I thought uh, Avondale's performance was even better. And I thought Oakley and Brisbane uh, was just a great game, and you must have loved it out there. I did, Rob. Yeah, and and I know I've said this before, but if if you want to just watch the highlight packages, uh, just type it in uh, to Google uh, Australia Cup highlights, and, and and the whole thing comes up for you. You can watch three four minute highlight packages of every single game and get a taste of it. So, you know, I know uh, we're preaching to the converted out there amongst our listeners who, who watch the games on Ten and Paramount Plus, and and obviously the people who who go to the games uh, uh, regularly. But uh, but if you if you haven't uh, if you're not a convert yet, just Give yourself a little taste, dip your toe in the water and find out what we're talking about because, uh, you know, if those highlight packages as a football person don't uh, don't convince you that uh, it's a competition worth watching and getting behind, then nothing will. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, this is the slot for it in the calendar. Play them all in a block. Don't wait yeah. too long between rounds. Let those stories build and roll on and get a little mm -hmm. bit of momentum. This week, Peninsula Power and Sydney United on Sunday and then Wednesday, August 31, Oakley Cannons hosting Sydney FC, Adelaide United versus Brisbane Raw and MacArthur against Wellington. Excellent. All right. Well done, Willem. Um, Australia Cup, get into it. All right. After the break. Um, all right, Edge. Art de Roche. Um, he's from The Athletic. We talked to a lot of people from The Athletic, and uh, he was uh, kind enough to agree to come on and have a yarn, and I'm going to let you two come off the long run. Derek's going to join us, and, uh, and you can have as much fun with it as you like. You're on top of the ladder. Um, I know you're not doing it with great grace. Um, you don't do great grace when it comes to winding people up with football, Michael. But um, but enjoy it after the break. I'm sure you will. You can talk. You're looking at me there. I was just I was just listening to your uh, drivel, Rob. <laughs> All right. More drivel next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
Yes, this is Box to Box now. Who would have thought that when Arsenal last won the Premier League title back in 2003-04 with 90 points, 38 games, they didn't lose a single match, they were rightly crowned the Invincibles, nearly two decades later, they'd still be waiting for their next title. Well, all that pain may be about to end. The Gunners are sitting imperiously at the top of the ladder. Well, it's only three games into the season, but you've got to enjoy it when you're on top. And a man who covers the Gunners' beat at the Athletic is Art DeRoche, and he joins us now. How are you, Art? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, hopefully, it's a good chat. Yeah, hopefully, mate. And and look, as uh, my colleagues, Derek and Michael, who are going to jump in, they'll think, you know, perhaps I'm laying it on a little bit thick. I am the resident Liverpool supporter, so uh, I don't mind laying the boot in. But, hey, Art, I was the one who suggested that you join us this week so they could just soak up the glory of of what, what it used to be like to be at the top of the ladder. Yeah, it's quite um, strange, actually. I feel like uh, most people who have followed Arsenal for the past five, ten years at least, have never really felt comfortable <laughs> going into football matches. I feel like there's always been almost a sense of anxiety every game, no matter who it's against. But um, especially the Bournemouth game, I just didn't feel any of those nerves, really. So it's quite um, a strange place to be in. And just, I guess everyone's hoping that um, that can continue on uh, for the next few weeks at least. It was obviously a disappointing end to last season, Art, and with the new management, we hear words like trust the process, the project, etc. Do you see where we're at now as being part of that process and you've just seen a steady evolution of the team? Or has something really been shaken up over the summer that, that's really put the team on a different plane to where they were last season? Yeah, I feel like what is most... I guess apparent to me is just how uh, transformative Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko have been because when you look at how Arsenal were playing uh, last season, even though they had good spells, so if you think about around Christmas time um, and also the spring months, they were performing well. Um, but when you look at how Gabriel Jesus performs um, as a striker, and then almost do a direct uh, comparison to Alexandre Lacazette last season. There's just so much more movement, both with and without the ball. I think he's really given Arsenal a different um, dimension, really, in the way they attack and defend from the front. Um, so I think there, there has been probably um, steps that have been taken over the past two and a half years since Arteta came in. So if you look at what they call cleaning the squad, which was basically <laughs> almost getting a, a whole new start in 11 um, in about two years. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily call that steady because there were, there were definite bumps in the road. So I think if you remember Arteta's first full season, the first half of that year was very tricky. Um, they went, I think, six weeks without winning the Premier League at one point. Um, and I guess for Arteta to keep his job at that point, you kind of saw, okay, they they might trust him to to just see it through rather than being reactive at that time. So I think there's been almost stepping stones, but what's really elevated them has been Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko uh, coming in this summer. And of course, like a new signing is the centre-back Saliba. Obviously, Arsenal fans were excited when he was signed from French football a couple of years ago, but he's been out on loan most recently at Marseille. But he has obviously scored a goal at the weekend. He's come into the side and uh, has looked great. Is this an absolute masterstroke from Arsenal in terms of giving him that experience overseas before bringing him in at the right time? Hindsight's always a blessing in these certain types of scenarios because you can't really forget how much... Um, almost outrage there was from the Arsenal fan base when uh, William Saliba was allowed to go out on loan to Marseille and to Nice um, the season before, after spending the first half of the year playing with the under-23s. Um, so I definitely take, take it with a little pinch of salt, but Arsenal have had luck on their side, where, whereas even with Saliba being out on loan and getting... 
uh, really vital experience that he probably would not have been able to get at Arsenal last season, especially without um, any European football. Um, I think all the kind of cards have fallen into the right place at the right time for them in terms of William Saliba. Um, obviously, he's uh, Mikel Tess has spoken about him wanting to be at Arsenal this season, not even thinking about going elsewhere. Um, and I think he's slotted in really seamlessly. He looks confident and composed. And he's, he's as you rightly say, Derek, another kind of key part to Arsenal looking almost at a different level to where they were, even when they were playing well last year. Art, I'm not sure whether you realised, but Derek has that North London accent and uh, he's migrated to Australia to get away from the English rain. But you probably realise that uh, as he's been asking you questions, it's pouring with rain in Melbourne as we speak and you're leading <laughs> through a London heat wave. So uh, what happened when, he, I mean, let's talk about uh, the optimism of Arsenal fans. I mean, I've, I have taken the opportunity, as I am an Arsenal fan, to look forward to the next month of fixtures and there's a lot of winnable games there. It could be a quite exciting month, September. How much optimism should we have, Art? You're you're speaking a little bit uh, conservatively. I think it's time to take the loft and uh, throw the gauntlet down. It's it's scary when when you bring up almost those games because I think everyone would probably expect three points from at least um, the next two games against Fulham and Aston Villa at home. Um, but what I would say is it's almost a bit dangerous to be thinking about that because you look at um, the rest of the Premier League where Liverpool drew to Fulham on the opening day. Uh, Liverpool, I mean, sorry, Chelsea lost 3-0 to Leeds. So you never really know what's going to happen. But what I would say so far is that I've been really encouraged, not just by Arsenal's results, so the wins, obviously, but... Um, the performances as well, they haven't really looked under too much stress when playing. They look to be in control of what they're doing. Um, aside from probably the first kind of uh, half an hour, 40 minutes of the second half against Crystal Palace, where Palace were putting the pressure on, they've looked fairly sound. Um, so I, I do think basically this first two months of the season especially is about point accumulation get as many points on the board as possible create a gap between yourselves and say Chelsea who are dropping points uh, maybe even Liverpool who are dropping points um, still looking for their first win of the season just create a little bit of a buffer for yourself and then and then you can probably get a bit more optimistic as the season goes on I think Mikel Arteta said the league probably won't sort itself out until around 10, 12 games in. Um, but then even after that, you're probably going to be a bit nervous until April April time. So I think um, there's definitely cause for optimism because, because of the manner of the performances so far. But um, I think also if you look at October, that's a really big month for Arsenal where they'll have Europa League games, they play Manchester City, and I think they play Liverpool that month as well. So um, there's almost two sides to it where you have quite a good start, but then all the, the big games were clumped together. So that's something to kind of watch out for. I was talking about September, Art. You've just brought in October. I thought we'd get <laughs> Sorry. September and then we could look at October. One month at a time, Art. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, just, I think that's just the almost... I wouldn't want to say pessimist in me, but I, I just wanted to like, yeah, September's, September can be quite good, but I, I don't want to get too too carried away just yet. Oh, you mentioned the, uh, the atmosphere. Certainly one thing that has changed is the feeling around Emirates Stadium as well. I, I sort of got the tail end of the Wenger years before I moved to Australia and things were kind of on the turn there it'd be back then it had been a decade or so since the last league title um, but there seems to be a genuinely buzzy atmosphere there at Emirates now obviously the away fans were in great voice at Bournemouth I think everyone was fed up with the Saliba song by the by the end of the game apart from the Arsenal fans but there seems to be that the fans and the players and the manager all seem in unison. Would you say that's a factor too? 
Yeah, definitely. I feel um, especially, well, last season it was mostly um, the away support that really kind of carried that atmosphere wherever they went. So I think uh, from what I remember, um, away in the Carabao Cup was Aaron Ramsdale's debut, actually. And at that time, I think he'd been probably receiving a lot of abuse on social media from just people who didn't really think he'd be the transfer for Arsenal to make. Um, but even before the game kicked off, the Arsenal fans in the away end were really kind of supportive towards him. And that carried out through the whole season. And then I think there were kind of pockets during last season where the atmosphere at the Emirates was really good. So the Tottenham win, um, Manchester City at home on New Year's Day, it was really good. And then also um, the 2-1 win against Wolves where Lacazette scored in the in the last minute, that sticks out as well. But even going to, say, the Leicester game a couple of weeks ago, um, that, that really did feel probably even louder than it was last season. And one thing that's also probably quite important to bear in mind is tickets are really hard to come by now this season. Um, probably, I think, uh, when when you were when you were there, Derek, it was probably quite easy to get a ticket at the Emirates because um, it's just the way it was. Um, I remember at the time I I was going as like a, a junior gunner in the in the family enclosure and it, you'd always be all right for a ticket um but but now it seems like uh everybody wants to be there and around it and also another point on the atmosphere is um the Ashburton army so they're kind of a group of young young fans who before the pandemic started they tried to improve um the atmosphere and the clock end because for people who don't know basically the north bank's always been <laughs> renowned as the loudest stand um, and so those guys tried to pick it up before the pandemic, obviously lockdown happened. And now they've come back and Arsenal have actually moved them toward, closer to the pitch. So they're almost like, I guess you'd see, see in France mostly those ultras where um, they're close to the pitch, but the ones right at the front aren't even watching the game. <laughs> they're, they're almost there to, to build everyone else up. Um, so that's probably going to be quite an interesting thing to see develop over the course of the season as well, I reckon. Putting a few doubters in place, I think there are, because obviously the Highbury Library, Arsenal not renowned as the hotbed of, of atmosphere. Rob on the show reminds us constantly of the spine-tingling moments he's had at Anfield. And to, to be fair, it doesn't sound like we're there yet, but... Um, it's good to it's good to hear that 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 everyone's pulling in in the right direction for sure. With um a month sorry a week or so left in the transfer window, Arsenal have had a good window. We'll say Zinchenko, as you mentioned off the top, Jesus certainly bringing in amazing amazing quality as well. But um, do you think there'll be any other business done? Do Arsenal need to do any other business before the end of the window? I know the Athletic broke a story about a certain Wolves striker that could be coming to the club, but where do you think the squad's at? So I think the word need is probably the most interesting one there because if you look at it, Arsenal did most of their major business before the season started. So Gabriel Jesus played every game in pre-season. Uh, Zinchenko came in while they were still on tour in the US and they've settled in really well. Um, I, I do feel that there's always always been a willingness to to upgrade even more because we saw their interest in Rafinha before he went to Barcelona this summer. So in terms of a winger, a wide kind of threat, they've always they've been looking for that throughout the summer. And as um, David Ornstein uh, reported for us the other day. They've almost they've been in talks with Wolves about about Neto for over a month. So I don't think it's something that's almost out of the blue. What I would say is he'd be a very good alternative to Saka, so he could actually have some rest because he played all thirty eight games last season. He just reached a hundred Premier League appearances at twenty years old. And I think for someone so young, it would just be nice to have um, another option who's not necessarily a backup, but just gives Arsenal a lot more strength and depth. And I think if they're going for the Champions League, 
um, that is definitely what would help them almost solidify themselves as contenders. Um, other than that, I wouldn't see them doing too much um, business other than outgoings, I'd say. So you look at um, players like Hector Bellerin, who probably needs his um, his future to be sorted out. Uh, Nicola Pepe, who is obviously in talks with uh, Nice over a loan move. So I think for the most part, Arsenal have done um, almost the, the heavy lifting of their business, but there are still one or two pieces that may be able to be done uh, in the next week. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, not a bad time to be playing Fulham this weekend after uh, uh, their trip to uh, to Crawley Town. So uh, who knows where it might go from here, Art. Mate, thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, I do expect, um, as much as it galls me to say so, that we might be talking to you again a few times uh, during the season. Um, it's about time uh, the Gunners uh, set to rights their position on the table, mate. So uh, I'm sure the boys will be more than happy to, uh, to, uh, to put you on the rundown as often as we can. Cheers. Thanks for having me. And yeah, that's no problem at all. Hopefully they, they keep it up. Good idea. Art DeRoche from The Athletic joining us to talk about the Gunners. Yes, they're back on top of the ladder. All right, stick around. After the break, we're going to go through everything else that's left in Europe in stoppage time. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. It was a great chat with Art DeRoche there from The Athletic. I know the guys are waiting, well, impatiently um, to get an Arsenal expert on. Um, and despite uh, the best efforts of hound dogs and nature and building sites to contribute, I think uh, it, it was a it was a good yarn with him. And I reckon we'll probably be uh, getting him back on a few times in the future or at least over the course of uh, the coming season now, it is stoppage time. The fourth official has given us uh, his usual quota of as long as we want. But uh, we were chatting in the past week as a team and we thought we might sort of bring a fresh approach to stoppage time and uh, give you all the content and updates and information that we usually do, but in a slightly different way. And uh, Derek, um, you're going to sort of walk us through it and how we might go about this thing. Yeah, I just think that with Stoppage Time, it needs to be the fun part of the show. We often try and cover a whole podcast full of uh, uh, European topics in about 15 minutes, Rob. So I just felt that this time that we might just pick out what we thought was the best or maybe worst of the week uh, and digest that uh, amongst the team. Sounds good to me. Um, well, wh- how, well, we're going to start off. I mean, you've, we've created a little bit of a format of how, how we're going to do it. Yeah, well, I was thinking we'd do match of the week, team of the week and moment of the week. And um, I've had to think about what these are. Um, and I've tried to go from across Europe, if I, if I can. It's, I'm, not, I'm not just all focused on, on, say, Premier League stuff, albeit this week it is a lot of Premier League. And match of the week, look... Um, I was thinking about whether it was going to be the United-Liverpool game. Rob, I'm sure you've spoken about it with the gents earlier in the show. Uh, so many talking points coming coming out of that that game. But uh, I've selected um, what some wags have called El Gasico, uh, which is uh, Newcastle and City, uh, a bit of a, a quip there on their, on their own ship. But um, that game was incredible. It was three all... Uh, great comeback uh, from City in the end uh, from 3-1 down, but Newcastle playing um, playing some brilliant football and really taking it to City. And I think showing the rest of the Premier League, Liverpool and the title contenders that this City team are fallible if you put them under pressure. Uh, another great goal from Trippier. Uh, a free, he scored four out of six free kicks he's taken now for Newcastle. So... Um, for me, that was that was the that was the game of the week. Some really breathless stuff. Uh, great Premier League uh, fodder, um, and probably the best match of the season so far. El Gasico. The only problem about that, Derek, is that they produce oil and not gas. So uh, it might be El Oilico uh, that one. But um, I imagine the uh, the the shisha bars in uh, Jeddah and Riyadh and Abu Dhabi and Dubai were full of. Um, their locals uh, cheering on their own teams. Um, obviously, the Saudi uh, owners of Newcastle and uh, the Emirates owners of Manchester, Manchester City. But, uh, yeah, it was a great game. And, I mean, at 3-1, Newcastle fans had really um, potentially um, their hand on three points there and they'd, 
I think they'd be disappointed, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think it's a strange situation. and it's, Both teams are probably relieved in a way to have got something from the game, particularly City. But City had a chance at the end there as well. And yeah, Newcastle 3-1 up. You know, they would like to win from that position. But I just think that this City team is so formidable that I think from a Newcastle point of view, they've they've gave a really good display. Alan Sam Maxim looked great, as we said before. Callum Wilson up front looked great before. And I think about this Newcastle team, like, yes, they have spent money on it, but they haven't they haven't been chucking the barrels of oil at it. They've been um, they've been really, um, you know, just picking up players when they need them and integrating them into the team. And to be honest with you, I think Eddie Howe's done a fantastic job. Um, moving on to our uh, team of the week, gents, there were lots of contenders for this. I think Rob, uh, when he spoke to me this morning, was making a late pitch for uh, Crawley Town, who, of course, uh, beat Fulham 2-0 overnight. Uh, this is League Two side beating a Premier League team, albeit a very changed uh premier uh, premier league team uh, i think brighton are a, are a contender as well obviously they beat west ham 2-0 and and they're now looking really impressive on seven points and it is worth noting that um sheffield united have returned to the top of the championship after some indifferent form over the last year or so but my team of the the week is leeds united i think everyone in australia has a soft spot for leeds because of the obvious connections with the iconic players that they've had and look I'll admit I'd completely written them off at the start of the season I'd you know they lost their their best players there were comparisons of Ted Lasso and and the manager Jesse Marsh um, and let's face it they demolished Chelsea in this game Chelsea were missing a few players themselves but this was a demolition job Leeds were fast furious the crowd were right behind them and uh, you know they're now sitting on seven points after nine games and they're up there in the in the rarefied air of the top of the league so i don't know if anyone else has any contenders but my team of the week is Leeds united yeah no i'm going to concede that you're right about that i did like the uh, the crawley town result and uh, i know uh, referenced it with art when we we're chatting earlier uh, that uh, that they managed to knock off fulham who, who put out an entirely different 11 from their premier league squad but uh, the um the fact that uh, that that Ellen Road crowd is uh, is just so passionate and manic. I mean, you, you referenced uh, Sheffield United off the top, and I know in the past we've discussed that uh, during the course of the pandemic, as they were relegated, they were, if not the team in the Premier League that suffered most from the lack of crowds, then they'd have to be one of those because uh, uh, the, the the passion of that of that home crowd was was a wave that the, the team were riding, and when they didn't have that wave to ride anymore, they, their form just dropped off, and they uh, you know they returned to the to the um, the Championship. So it's no surprise to me that uh, that now that they've got crowds back, we've seen what their crowds are like. Uh, we're seeing the same sort of thing happen at Ellen Road. Jesse Marsh, uh, incredible, and I mean Patrick Bamford's still out injured as well and uh, you know I know um, uh, Koulibaly was sent off um, late in the match but that had nothing to do with anything other than frustration so uh, I mean the, uh, the the sort of results that uh, that they um, are, are putting out there is um, you know a sign of, uh, of those glory days of when the likes of, of Harry Kuehl and, and Mark Viduka Edge um, you remember them well? I do remember the glory days at Ellen Road how could you forget Mark Viduka scoring four goals against Liverpool? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the sort of thing that, I mean, you watch those highlight packages and uh, and that's what we're seeing now that uh, that they're up on top. But, um, but Willem, you're sitting there quietly in the background. Do you have a contribution to this? No, I'm just thinking about the fact that Jacob Burns was out on the pitch that day with Mark Paducah. That's the uh, that's the bit about it that I uh, can never forget. Uh, no, I'd agree, Rob. I was going to go with Crawley Town, your earlier nomination. Not just a League Two side, Derek, but a side that is sitting in relegation. They are 91st of the 92 uh, in the football pyramid at the moment, and they've knocked off a Premier League side by two goals, both both in the first half, so they've done it pretty comfortably. Uh, and from a local perspective, I want to throw up a side we spoke about earlier in the program, Oakley Cannons, five goals uh, in a quarter-final at the Australia Cup, and they march on to play Sydney FC next week. And rolling rolling into our moment of the week, and I think Crawley Town and, and some of Williams' suggestions there could have got into moment of the week, but I've selected to get away from the Premier League, uh, Kylian Mbappe, one of Edge's favourites there. Um, we basically said in the show last week there was no point in uh, covering uh, the uh, Liga anymore. And this was underlined by the fact that Kylian Mbappe scored after eight seconds against Lille. Uh, four passes from the kickoff. Uh, Messi hit the ball over the top to Mbappe, who uh, lobbed the goalkeeper. 
Right, it reminded me a little bit of a move on FIFA or one of those games where I'd worked out a way of scoring from the kickoff every time and I would see how many times I could do it in the game. Uh, thankfully for Lille, uh, they only tried it once, but that, that was a great moment and it looks like him and Messi have, uh, have made up um, uh, made a kissed and made up, and they're uh, they're they're back in form again. Well, um, I hope Domo's ready to go because my moment of the week came when Graham Arnold invited in a live chat the uh, great man Hus Hiddick to cover B's uh, partner coach when Rene Mulliston is going to be in Europe watching Spain, uh, sorry, watching Denmark and France go against each other. Um, and Hus Hiddick had no idea, and Hus uh, said yes on the moment. So Damo, I think we've got this ready little grab of when Graham asked Huss and um, we get the immediate response from Huss, which is uh, something special for people who loved Aussie Huss when he was coaching Australia. Let's listen to that now. I've got this crazy idea, boss. Oh, you got many crazy ideas. You had many crazy ideas, yeah? which I, okay. uh, I enjoyed very much and I, I took okay. many of your ideas to me. <laughs> but go ahead. Okay. So I, if I asked you, Huss, to come to Australia to be part of my staff and to work together with me for this New Zealand game to help celebrate the Socceroos and the nation, would you come? You invite me now? Yeah. You invite me? 100%. How long do I have, how long do I have to think? Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm coming. You're coming? I, I, are you serious? No, You're joking serious. or you're serious? No, no, I'm serious, boss. When, when, when you are serious, the nation would love, when you, we love used to, to see you again. I'd love then to see I you again. Love, then I love, I love, I love to come. I will be there. Really? I will be, thanks for this. Yeah, will, thanks for this wonderful invitation. 100%. Okay, well, I will, 100%. Get it, I will get it fixed up. I'll get it organized. You bring Elizabeth, your wife, and uh, uh, yeah, we have a catch-up. And we catch up to, with all the... Uh, you'll see some staff and 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 some. Can people. I be your assistant in the games? No, Can I be your assistant? No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I no. want to be assistant. No, you you be oh. the the partner coach. The <laughs> partner coach, not the assistant. <laughs> Whatever. I have too much Whatever. respect <laughs> to oh, have you as an assistant. What do you think of that, Rob? Um, Hussinik's going to come out and take on Rene Mulliston's responsibilities uh, and work with Graham Arnold with the Socceroos uh, as they um, um, prepare for the. Uh, New Zealand match in Brisbane. What do you think about that? Oh, mate, look, any halo of victory um, that we can uh, wave over the Socceroos is a good one for me. I, I don't think uh, uh, anything that Kursidink uh, can contribute uh, would not be uh, of, of value. I mean, I know, Willem, you uh, you did a fair bit of work in preparation uh, on the show around this uh, this little package during the week. I mean, what, what's your feeling as a, as a younger guy who, you know, was uh, was in uh, in shorts back when we, we originally qualified uh, for the World Cup in 2006? Oh, it's magnificent. Huss is a legend. One of the first uh, sort of uh, figures that I associated with Australian football at the time being that young and the fact that he was a sort of big name foreigner gave the side credibility, rightly or wrongly. That was how it was. That was how it felt as a at the time as a, a fan more so of other sports at that point. Uh, and it's going to be a magnificent celebration, the centenary uh, celebration. It's all going to sort of culminate in and around that fixture against New Zealand on uh, September 22. So, no, I think it's, uh, I think it's brilliant. And always, uh, always happy to celebrate some uh, strong Dutch ties, Rob. Uh, and I, I, as much as I enjoyed the Goose Hitting uh, story and and his uh, nomination from you, Edge and uh, and Mbappe from from Derek, I'm going to go with one that goes back to that uh, that match of the week that uh, Manchester City uh, come back against uh, Newcastle United, where um, Kevin De Bruyne got whacked by Kieran Trippier, who was red carded and uh, and the red card was rescinded. But uh, one thing that did go through to the keeper and uh, and didn't get uh, highlighted was the fact that the the referee at that game was Australia's Jared Gillette, who, as we all know, uh, is over in the UK studying and, and doing some research into cerebral palsy, which uh, everyone who listens to this show knows I have a personal interest in. So um, along with the the results of Ange Postacoglu in the UK, uh, um, our, our, I think this would be the first time an Australian referee has, uh, has refereed in the top flight, wouldn't it? Uh, he was the first one to do it. Did, did it a little while ago, but good to see yeah, him yeah. buttering up and continuing yeah. to... Uh, yes, yeah, he is the first individual, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah, there's a hot topic that I want to always put forward at the end, and it might sometimes be a bit quirky and funny. I was thinking about the Trippier tackles. I'm glad you've mentioned it. I think the jury's out on whether 
that was a red card or an orange card or a yellow card. It's a conversation for another day. But I wanted to flag something from African football. And the name changed to the Benin uh, national men's team, who are changing their name from the Squirrels to the Cheetahs. And, uh, you know, I come from, from uh, England and we don't tend to name our teams after things. I know England's called the Three Lions occasionally, but we don't think about them like that. But obviously Australia is the home of the Socceroos and the Wallabies and the everything else. So my kind of question is, what's in a name? Is it that important? And do you think Benin are going to go any stronger being the Cheetahs as opposed to being the Squirrels? Absolutely. There's great ferocity in the Cheetahs as opposed to uh, to the Squirrels. Derek, you and I have spoken at length in the past about Morecambe, known as the Shrimp Men. That's a fantastic name. Uh, and when you did throw this one up in the group chat that it was going to be your, uh, your topic of the week, uh, I thought if we're going to talk African football names... Uh, whether you're the uh, the cheetahs or the squirrels, you can't get better than Burundi, the nation of former Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC midfielder Elvis Cam Sober, who are of course the sparrows of war. Well, I'm going to make a contribution to that. I mean, I don't think anybody can uh, can trump the uh, the Cameroon nickname. Can anybody volunteer that one uh, as we speak? The Say it in oh. three, two, one, Derek. Three, two, one. In the indomitable lions. lions. Exactly. Or the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that the, worked. <laughs> it worked well enough for me. Or the uh, the elephants of uh, the Ivory Coast. Um, I, I think they all go pretty well. But yeah, now I reckon you are right, gentlemen. That. Um, yeah, not sure. We've got to do a little bit more research as to why they came up with the squirrels in the first place. Uh, but. Um, there clearly is a story there. Funny is because they're a little nation, but they strive high. That was the that was the official reason. But um, yeah, the cheetahs maybe that's a bit more suitable. Um, but yeah, what's what's in a name? What's in a name, gents? I just want to stand up for all the squirrels around the world. They, I mean, they are a squirrel is a bit like a a, a rat that climb can climb a tree. But uh, I tell you what, they have been well and truly defamed uh, through this debate. Uh, Oh, just because a cheetah can run fast, that doesn't mean that a squirrel is not effective with its uh, climbing up trees and uh, fossicking around to keep itself uh, healthy, Rob. It's um, only you could come up with that analysis of, of why a squirrel needed to be defended. Um, I think a, a cheetah would run it down in no time and gobble it up for breakfast, nuts and all. All right, boys, I think that'll do. Derek, thank you. Well done. Thank you, yes. And I know Travis said, why does it always rain on me? But my version is, why does it always rain when we're recording Box to Box? Thank you, gents. Another great week of football. I'm back next week to discuss it all again. And you too, Michael. Thanks, Roberto. Hope to see you Friday night for a Savlakia at Oakley. Yes, trying to organise that a little bit of uh, off-the-record uh, banter, but um, I would, uh, I reckon I could probably knock two off. It might go to that day 20-odd years ago where you and I ate four pies at the MCG in one sitting. I think it was in the first half on a very cold night at the AFL. Damo, thank you. I think you got Gee, a job ahead of you. Oh, she was cold. Uh, Damo, well done um, as we uh, as we wrap up the show for another week. Please make sure you subscribe to Box to Box wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Tell your friends. Join us next week. Make sure you do when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.